live, I can't help but notice. I mean, listeners don't see this, but we do. You have uh, looks like a pair of goggles. On what is that? <laughs> yeah, it's this like it's this new piece of technology. It allows you to like you know record and interact with your surroundings digitally. You're it's pinching and zooming. And all kind. I don't know what's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, there. yeah. It's wow. called uh, Google Glass. Nice. It just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just came out. That's cool. Yeah, everyone Good. thinks I'm really cool when I interact with them on the street. Yeah. They say shit like, stop <laughs> recording me, you fucking weirdo. That is awesome. So we have kind of like an ironic bit we do together. Yeah, yeah, yeah all the, the strangers <laughs> on the street. <laughs> well, I mean, so listen, we're talking about Apple Vision Pro, obviously, and I think... That's been the interesting thing for me is that when they tried it with Google Glass, I think there was kind of a universal like we're not accepting this. We don't. Mm-hmm. We're not. We're yeah. going to bully anyone that does this. We're not going to allow this. But it seems like there are people that are going to really wear the Apple Vision Pro. Like there's footage of it out in the wild now. People in the on the the metro walking around. It really feels like the stigma is starting to break down now because of because of this product. Yeah, they they looked at it like glass, and they're like, "What if it's even more annoying? Like yeah. even more insane?" And I guess like, I, is that like a weird like techno futurist or techno like optimist sort of position that like a certain amount of society is like, "No, actually, things are really good, and technology is super cool, including <laughs> these like really potentially invasive invasive things." I, I think it's different. I I, I think they are different products and will right, have okay. different experiences. So Google Glass was extremely limited on functionality. I mean, when was that? 2013, 2014? Right, yeah. We didn't have, you know, with the proliferation of devices that had standalone data packages or, yeah, data capabilities, or also the ability to tether to a device for data or internet. Um, I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know the specifics, I would assume... Vision Pro is Wi-Fi capable. Google Glass was not. Mm. Or you know what? No, actually, sorry. It was, but it didn't have data capabilities. Mm. And I'm sure there's a, an ability to tether. I, I had used a Google Glass for like a day at work uh, to test it out in 2014. And it was just so rudimentary. Mm. And the price, I think, at the time was $1,200. That's more for home use. I think Apple... Pro is definitely more ProVision, whatever, is also for home use. The videos we're seeing is just people doing it for attention and clout. Right. I don't think we're oh, going to see it as, as much in in the open. Because look, look at who's, look at the videos that you're seeing, right? It's like 23-year-old hype beast kids who drive like Tesla trucks or are just being overly animated with their hand gestures it's and someone just also happens to be filming them like it is so clearly just like a, a clout bit. play that yeah. seemed like a bit but i've seen sure. some in the in the real world footage of people on, on using this thing like, i don't know i think i think the dam might be breaking on this kind of stuff i don't know what to make if of the, it no if you if you look like somebody who who sincerely bought the mischief red boots if you <laughs> if you look like the archetype customer for the red boots the 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 Venn diagram of people who look like that and are posting videos or or featured in videos of people wearing Apple Pro in the wild it's a, it's a perfect circle. Yeah, I wonder. Like, I guess people are probably also more used to the idea of surveillance and just being recorded in public. Like, that's just a thing people have had to like become more comfortable with. So Does I wonder. Does it have if a there's... front-facing camera? 
Mine? I thought it did, like because people well, are. That's how you see you have out of to it, see. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it spits out the because it looks like just like a VR thing. Yeah. So presumably you can't see through it. No, it's like you see through the camera, but then it projects your eyes onto it, right. kind of. So it somewhat looks like you're still like a human being. It's right. Yeah. Creepy. That's so weird. I hate, yeah. I hate that. It's, yeah. I don't even think the utility is there for watching a movie at home. No, yeah. Like, think, that sounds like it sucks. I think that maybe if you're by yourself, like, because that was the one thing. It's like, yeah, watching sports, you can have a big, like, 100-inch display in front of you, and you get some stats, and maybe whatever. That might be kind of cool. But, like, the idea that it's still fundamentally, like, antisocial. Like, even if you're with people, like, at your home, you can see. Like, you can – it's like an augmented reality thing. You can see the display, but you can also see around you. But, like, they can't see what you're seeing. So it's like – what are you going to sit down like with your your friends or family or your wife, husband, children, whatever, and be like, oh yeah, and you're sitting there like looking at something that they can't even look at? <laughs> That's a really bizarre thing. Like it, it seems like it would be kind of okay, but I, at the same time, it's I would I'm just as happy watching basketball on my regular ass TV and just scrolling my regular ass phone. I mean, I don't really see what's that what that's really adding to the process. I feel like. If they did Google Glass now and had like better technology, people would like it. Like if it had like data it's, stuff and well, it was just like it's more minimalist. Yeah, yeah, and like maybe people like could like barely see it as well. I think people would be yeah. like much more comfortable. It was so weird. It was just like people a wire frame it. and like a block of glass like yeah. above your eye. It was so weird. That yeah, just it was didn't like make sense. Yeah, it was. It was almost seemed designed to have people bully you for being a, a nerd. Mm. You know, I've been seeing it a lot, like on when I'm scrolling TikTok as well. And I, I just saw one guy like reacting to a video of someone looking at it, like I've got my screen here, I've got a grocery list over on the kitchen, I've got a timer on the on the pots and pans, like all like you know all of this stuff just exists. You can just write down a list, a grocery list, and just take it and put it in your pocket. You don't need to have like a time, like a cooking with a big massive headset with two separate timers over two heating elements, like. This technology exists. Like, this is totally not necessary. And I saw this guy being like, oh, this is going to kill TVs, laptops, <laughs> speakers. And it's like, no, it is not. No, I really don't. I really don't see that. I don't know. I, no, I absolutely, I'm in total agreement. I want to be able to, like, look around the room, look outside, look out a window. Sure. While I'm, you know, watching something, check out the sunset, whatever. I like the immersion of surround sound. I don't want to listen to everything on headphones which is, I assume, what this does. But the funniest thing about some of these clips are the cooking ones. Because, you know, with every camera, there's, like, just lens distortion. Mm -hmm. Like, the depth perception can be a little off. I'm just waiting for somebody to, like, stick their hand in a pot of boiling water thinking they're picking (laughs) it up by, like, the handle just because the the aspect ratio or the the perception uh, of depth through these $3,500 goggles just threw them off just slightly askew. Is it was like when those early Apple Maps were like driving people into rivers and lakes and stuff <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Remember, it's going to be like that. Yeah, I don't, I just I still don't see that taking off. I think like the idea of having that kind of an immersive like augmented reality display like it's it's kind of interesting. I just feel like the only way that's ever going to really take off is is if there can be like a hologram. If we can do holograms, okay, I can kind of see that kind of a thing taking off. Cause then it's like you're, everyone is experiencing the same thing. This idea of just walking around with this big helmet, like trying to cook or trying to do anything with that just seems like so unwieldy. 
And it's so alienating. Like you're talking to someone that doesn't have it. I don't know. It just makes everyone feel uncomfortable. Yeah, because I assume it's like a VR headset. Like those are pretty clunky. It's like kind of an ordeal to have those like on yeah. your head. It's not a casual thing. You a just lot have of the reviews that I was seeing were like, it's really heavy. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a big contraption. <laughs> I don't. I, I also think there's like a dizziness factor that people might experience over time. That That is a risk with, not a risk, or just like a side effect of using the Oculus, whatever Facebook's right. goggles are. Um, after like an hour. So I think the warning explicitly states don't use it for more than an hour or something. Because I remember hearing at a tech panel at like Netroots a year or two ago that employees who were fighting for unions at some of these places who had to do uh, VR or AR testing had to do use these products that are to consumers told that they shouldn't use them for more than an hour. They're, they have to use these like several hours at a time. Oh so it's like, you're, it's not even, you're not even supposed to do that for a long time. So it contrasts with the messaging like, Oh, this could be your all day, like everyday accessory to enhance your life. Just that doesn't seem plausible to me. Yes, like some Silicon Tech Valley guy is going to like give this to his kid as like a like immersive education experience and like he's going to like lose his like depth perception or something <laughs> like if he, if he like uses it for too long. He's going to like walking into walls just yeah. scrolling 4chan on his goggles all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was in like eighth grade, they did this thing where it was like digital immersion you have an ipad and you like research online and everyone just played clash of clans all day (laughs) so i can imagine they're going to do this with like these sort of things but it's just going to be like an insanely like somehow even worse like you can't because you can't even see what the kids are browsing right just like the kidding telling the kid to take off his goggles at dinner and you just hear the porn hub music coming through his headphones (laughs) Yeah, those kids are going to be insane. That's Gen <laughs> Alpha, I guess, or like a bit yeah. earlier than that. That's that's rough. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've always been kind of interested in this kind of technology. You know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s thinking about sci-fi and William Gibson novels and this kind of thing. But just the practicality, just it just doesn't seem like it's there. It, I do kind of feel like this might kind of break the dam of people embracing this kind of stuff a little bit more. Maybe at some point the technology might be there where it makes sense, but... I think that is going to be uh, some time. Like, you know, the idea of like in an educational level, like as like you're pointing out in practice, that's not how it's going to work. But if you're doing like a history thing, you can go and maybe go visit these kind of old civilizations or do things like that. You know, I'm sure there's some kind of practical educational purpose for this kind of stuff, but I'm still just not prepared at all for people walking around and going to the coffee shop and pinching and stuff and typing and doing their work. I don't know. Like like we were saying, it's just like you have all this functionality currently with your laptop and your phone and your TV and all this stuff. And you're actually in reality and you're not like alienating everyone you come into contact with. And you can have a direct conversation with someone while using these things. I think it's going to be a while before that goes away. Yeah, these things, I guess they're sort of like inventing problems to solve as opposed to like actually making things more convenient. Like everyone's pretending that things are more streamlined, but it's like, no, you're just like bumping into shit. Like it doesn't help. I think the people that you're going to see out in the wild wearing them are just going to be people who are doing it for attention or just, just the worst type of people. I think there are people who are fascinated by the technology. I think on paper. Yeah. It seems cool. Like I've thought about every once in a while getting a, uh, Oculus. 
so I could do Beat Saber. Mm-hmm. Like my a couple of my friends yeah. have them, and there's like video games that they say are fun on there. One of my friends insists that watching porn on there is like the best experience it's, ever. It's like it's okay, not. There's... I, I had a VR. I'm gonna say I have a VR headset, and I'm like, well, I gotta try it, right? It's not <laughs> sure. It's yeah. not for science. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, honestly no. It's not. It's over. What the cool thing with VR is being it's able not to a good shoot gooning, people. Uh... <laughs> accessory yeah. i'm surprised we for for qaa we did we did an episode on on gooners the subculture i did not see any vr stuff. i feel really? like they would really enjoy like you can't you can't look away you're you're surrounded yeah it. but no i don't. think one of the most amazing things about our sort of modern reality is that i learned about the idea of gooning from norm finkelstein <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was so funny <laughs> Gooning, G O O N I N G is like what? What is that? that? That's how I learned about this, this concept, this lifestyle. Yeah, <laughs> from renowned, in- renowned uh, uh, Israel critic Norm Finkelstein. Yeah, in what context? I don't he even was, know. He was saying that gooners were like fascists. Like that was like a subculture that was creating like reactionaries because it's is like degenerate. True? No, I think he's just kind of insane. Yeah. Like, for the scene where it's like, oh, that's a good point. Oh, like, what do you say? Like, what do you think about the social issue? Oh, I forgot. Like, yeah, yeah. Ooh, shit. He's just kind of. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. All right. My community lives to see another day. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's why uh, we got to bring it back. So we got to make sure that it's inclusive for everybody. You know, we don't want to just abandon it. We don't want to abandon the gooning community just Mm -hmm. to the fascists. We got to take that back. Exactly. Exactly. Biden hasn't done shit for Gooners. <laughs> he made all of these promises in 2020. <laughs> Where is he now? He's trotting out Fetterman with who's who is a known anti-Gooner. Yeah. He's made it he's made it perfectly clear where he stands on the Gooning question. And now all of a sudden Biden thinks he's just going to waltz into 2024 and expect Gooners to show up to the polls? No, dream yeah, on. Think again. Thank you. This is ridiculous. It's like they're not even trying. <laughs> That's why RFK is 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 polling double digit. Yeah. It's because he does care about the Gooners. Absolutely. He's really centered them. It's like his primary like constituency. Like no matter what, they get into office, they don't care about Gooners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So once they start taking state. the anti the anti Gooning corporate cash, it's just they're totally <laughs> yeah they're totally English indistinguishable from a hollow suit. <laughs> Big jerking off for a regular amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of oh no sorry that. you can't no 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 you can't you can't call out the lobbying influence of being yeah, jerking yeah. off for it's a normal amount of time you can't do it <laughs> oh my goodness anyway i think how do you how do we move on from that i think we should just wrap it up actually let's make this a quick one <laughs> Unlike when I no okay that's <laughs> so you're, you both are you both are no's on Apple Vision Pro yeah no unless, yeah it's a no for me dog yeah. yeah only only reason or main reason VR is cool is because you get to shoot people I don't see that like that utility transferring to to this or I guess I hope not because that would be an unfortunate so I, I see no I see no what, mean, shoot, what do you mean shoot people. Like you know, like of like the Half Life Alex. There's like online stuff where you can like the yeah. controllers are a gun and you like actually aim it, and it's oh. it's sick. It rocks. You saw but Disney could, as well as do that. 
like you saw Disney as well as creating that like holodeck floor where you can walk in all these different directions and there's like these little beads that allow you to walk like that's oh, what yeah. I mean it's like I think eventually there's might come a time when this technology kind of like all comes together and you can do some amazing things with it but that's not going to be for for some time hmm. yeah I am not I'm not getting one at least it's certainly not a $3,500 price point like again <laughs> no. my curiosity is there for some video game things I'm not paying $3,500 for heads, a headset. There's so many other things that I can do with that money, like pay rent. That's like buy, more fulfilling. Like buy six home. monitors <laughs> that you could put pornography yeah, on all of exactly. them at the same Analog. time. Probably a better experience. <laughs> it was really weird, that footage of like the person coming out of the Apple store with everyone like applauding. <laughs> so weird. Because that's the thing is they because, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and others have been trying to like get this technology to go mainstream. And I think I, I immediately dismissed the Apple Vision Pro for all the reasons that we've been talking about. But I did underestimate that kind of cult of Apple products, which is allowing it, I think, to reach more of a mainstream saturation. I've never really got that. I never really used Apple products personally. So I've never really been part of that. But that's one thing that it's like I, when I saw that kind of stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, maybe this might whether I think it's worthwhile or not, it might end up becoming, you know, an actual product that people use just because they're so devoted to this company and it's a part of their like personality and their identity to use these kind of products. Yeah, that sort of phenomenon feels like it's growing, like maybe in response to pessimism of people being like, oh, things are bad. It's like, no, actually, I can, you know, watch a, a a movie through this like weird pseudo VR headset thing. Like things are better. Technology is incredible. There's so much to look forward to. That the cult of Mac thing, it just seems like a relic of the past. 2010, 2011, like late 2000s, early 2010s. Like I, I kind of get it. Um, and I'm just like, it's such a funny position to have. And it's such a funny personality trait to define yourself with in 2024 because it's just like nothing really has been that innovative from apple in the past like 15 years like the early iterations of the uh, iphone okay cool that is that was a totally different revolutionary device i had like the like a kind of a smartphone it was like one of the earliest iterations of android and before that you know you had this weird amalgamation of all these different companies making phones and my first iPhone was like an iPhone 5. And I remember getting it and thinking like, whoa, this is such a great experience. And I've just I've just went, kept Apple as a phone since because it's like, I like the design. It's simple. I don't need any bells and whistles. I don't want to customize anything. Just make it simple. Make it easy to use. Whatever. I don't like, I don't like talking on the phone. I don't need any of this other shit. But like everything else has just been like, oh, your tablet is now basically a big phone. Oh, here's hmm. here here are headphones without wires that you can lose. It's like, okay, nothing really is crazy about this. This feels like their attempt to recapture that spirit of the early iterations of the iPhone where people were like very, very proud to be, you know, owners of it. And you remember seeing the clips of people who got the first iPhone and the kid like opened the box and dropped it. <laughs> like like the, the cheering, the applause, the lining up. I think they really want to recapture that because people don't feel that same brand loyalty. They're, they're, they're buying it year after year out of convenience. They don't have to replace like trans transition everything from their Apple device to their Android device, whatever. 
it's what they're familiar with. There's also like a little bit of social stigma with like the blue text bubbles and the green yeah. text bubbles. Mm-hmm. Aren't teens Rob getting like a, bullied a, for being in the group chat and messing it up? Rob is a green, as so. a green uh, bubble guy. Yeah, disgusting yeah. green text yeah. plebeian. Yeah. <laughs> we, I, we had a coworker last. I felt bad. She's just like a really sweet woman. She's a mom. She, we had to do a group text for a project we were working on that carried on outside of work hours. So we we're just hitting each other up and someone was like, ew, who's the green bubble? And she like, didn't get that it was her. And she's like, yeah, what's that about? Why are all these <laughs> bubbles green? <laughs> she realized like, she just didn't realize that we all had a different, <laughs> so that's like, all right, maybe that's taking it a little bit too far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a no for me. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of a, maybe an Apple vision pro you should Apple Vision approach the voting booth in November. <laughs> I don't fuck I don't with know. the Apple Vision Pro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a miss. It's a it's a drop, not it's a copper drop, it's a drop for you. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to link up. Do not fuck with the vision. For real, for real. <laughs> See I got the lingo. <laughs> I got the lingo. It's it's not busting. <laughs> If and that's not, on cap. <laughs> well, okay, what do we got in, next? In other news, what's, what's else on the docket here? We finally have this long-awaited, long-awaited border bill that people have been expecting to come out of Congress for the past mm-hmm. couple of weeks to address this crisis at the border. It'll also include billions in funding for Israel and Ukraine. Republicans have made it pretty clear that they're just going to kill this thing in the house. Uh, it is a pretty sweeping and restrictive and harsh border bill that would give the president and border patrol border patrol would basically, if this were to pass, have like pretty unilateral control over things at the border, which is a, da- a dangerous proposition. If you're on the precipice of Trump potentially being reelected and back in office, border patrol is already essentially a rogue agency uh and that this would give them the ability to just expedite deportations shut down the border totally if a certain amount of people have tried to cross per day uh, just a bunch deny work visas there's a bunch of republican you know ideals on the on immigration on the border in this bill but despite that mike johnson has made it pretty clear that he's not going to pass it he's not going to let it pass the house he's going to whip opposition to it in the house and it's pretty much dead on arrival you know james langford the senator from oklahoma who was one of the people who worked on this and is championing it is confused by that because he sees it as a pretty good thing the chamber of commerce has come out republican basically a republican arm uh but a pro-business entity is is calling for it but joe biden also wants it to pass because he wants to run on a pretty harsh immigration bill in the hopes of of winning people over who see that as a top issue now i'm I'm curious for both of you do you think even if this doesn't pass do you think that this will hinder biden's prospects do you think this will depress turnout in 2024 you can go ahead live it's it's interesting because like the dems have essentially abandoned I i feel like there was a period for, for at least a little while where like Dems were ostensibly like op- opposing harsher border restrictions. They like viewed, I guess, like 
uh, like Latin Americans as like a part of the coalition and like, oh, well, we at least have to ostensibly stand up for them. But like the f- at the first opportunity where that's not the case, where they're like, oh, they're not a part of the coalition, just like completely stomping them, uh, like just like rolling over them, which is really emblematic of the Democratic Party as an institution. It, there's no real moral substance there. There's no like advocating for some ideal. It's just like a self-propelling institution that like, even like just in the short term, looks at its like um, ability to get elected um, and, and usually like oftentimes makes incorrect observations here and just completely m- blows over the most marginalized. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is Democratic Party triangulation in action. Like this is what it looks like, right? It's like when when Trump is president, they're talking about kids in cages they're talking about Stephen Miller's like extremely grotesque and and draconian immigration policies. Um, Biden comes in uh, campaigning on that, campaigning on having a a kinder approach to immigration, even though that's not anything that Biden's ever supported, like in his actual career. And they maintain all of these, or ninety percent of these Stephen Miller policies, like we've talked about a number of times on the show, talking with like immigration experts and people that that cover this maintained a lot of the most draconian policies and they adopt they adopt all their opponents like whether it's about this or like any other big issue adopt all their opponents viewpoints and then they brag about how they're playing 4d chess well we've adopted all their viewpoints and they're still saying no to it aren't we smart and it's like well no you're not smart because you've adopted all their viewpoints and you're offering that to them like this bill like to set aside all the ukraine and israel funding in there which is like, yeah, we just found an extra fifty billion lying around for that. Uh, you know, I'm sure that's really that goes over well with people that are struggling to get by in America right now. This bill, though, has seven point six billion dollars for ICE, and roughly six billion of that is for deportations and detention. Like this is this is what they were camp like talking about with Trump every single day, and they're doubling and tripling down and giving more funding to these absolute, these like Gestapo fucking reactionary lunatics. And they're sp- trying to spin that as some kind of win. Like the ultimate example of this kind of messaging I saw was from Brian Schatz today, the senator from Hawaii. And he says, I do think House Republicans are underestimating how easy it will be to point out that this bill does all the stuff they asked for and then suddenly opposed it because Trump wanted to deny Biden a victory. It's like, well, you're giving the game away right there. This bill does all the stuff they asked for. Why are you giving your opponent all the stuff they asked for when what they're asking for is this like cruel, inhumane, fascistic immigration policy? And lo and behold, now that Democrats have adopted this viewpoint, it's it gets ratcheted to the right again. Conservatives saying, no way, because that's still, they, they're still framing it as some kind of communist like open borders uh policy and everything just gets pulled over more even more to the right and these people are poised to take control of the u.s government again and they're probably going to enact a lot of these really draconian policies like your point jordan like is it going to depress turnout i would say yes like whether it comes to climate student debt palestine immigration like these are all issues that progressive people especially young people really care about and they've just been completely screwed on every one of these issues. And like young, we talked about their better than expected result in 2022. That was delivered by young people. And like, I, I don't know how they're going to be able to make this case to anybody. And they're certainly not going to, as what the Democratic Party strategists always say, they're certainly not going to be pulling in these like conservative voters in the 
when, wherever, you know, who are going to all of a sudden vote for Democrats instead of Republicans. No, they won't. I think probably the more likely scenario is that they'll enact a bunch of terrible conservative policies and they'll depress turnout from the people that they need to actually win elections. And on the point about it being everything Republicans want, there is nothing that Democrats in a, in a Trump era, nothing Democrats have claimed that they wanted. There's nothing for dreamers in here. Yeah. It's just restrictions. It's just, just restrictions that, and much. war funding. Yeah. There is it's not like okay, you get all of these methods for deportations and you get all of these restrictions, you know, all this Title 42 stuff, all all of these new sweeping powers to turn people away before they even come in. It's nothing there's nothing about kids who were brought here. Like what that that is something that a decade ago was like, uh, okay, maybe we should consider it. We'll get to it soon. And Democrats promised all of these different times, we're gonna do it next session. We're gonna do it next year. We're gonna do it in this next funding bill. Next time we have an opportunity for, uh, or next time we we see a government shutdown approaching, we're gonna work it in there. There was a deal, what 2021, 2022. God, I can't, time is such a blur over the past few years. But there was a moment where McConnell and Schumer had to work together for a funding deal. And the agreement that they reached was, okay, we get past, you know, we get past this government shutdown. McConnell said, we'll bring uh, uh, an immigration bill. We'll bring a dreamer bill to the floor for a vote. And this is this must be before 2020 because McConnell didn't uh, have power after that. Nothing. He just didn't do it. So it's 2019, 2018, 2019. And Democrats just gave away all their leverage. I, I also do want, like, what is the Republican rhetoric on why they're turning it down? Because it just it, doesn't it go is, far enough. Right. So it's like a. I was just looking at it. I can I can pull some stuff. Alex Jones has been going crazy on it as well. well right. I, they're all just like, it's no, not... it's a big, it's a no, immediate no. Is it a states' it's, rights it's... thing? No, it's it's not really that it doesn't go. They're saying it doesn't go far enough. But what it really is, it, because like E. Langford in the press over the past couple of days has said like this is like, I don't know where all this criticism is coming from because he's looking at it just from like a legislative standpoint. He's not looking from it, looking at it from an electoral standpoint. It's that Trump signaled to Johnson, and this is something that reporters have pressed Mike Johnson on. It's that Trump signaled to him, don't pass this. Because that would give Biden something to talk about. The longer they let this fester, the more Trump can run on it. So they're just going to block it. And then they can say, look, look at the problem that Biden has created, knowing that people won't put two and two together. The Republicans just killed it in the House. So but whatever response they think would address this isn't even implemented. Give something, tr- give something for Trump to attack Biden with. Biden is going to go out there. I just saw... About an hour or two ago, uh, one of the reporters at M- MSNBC talked to someone in the administration, or sorry, in his campaign. When, if and when this fails, Biden's going to hit the road and campaign on its failure and just try to blame Republicans for creating this mess. So it's just going to be an issue of pointing fingers. It's not really that it doesn't go far enough. That's the, what the messaging will be. Right. But they're trying to say that it lets 5,000 people in per day when that's not true. Right. So basically, like, Biden's alienating a certain part of his base, and then everyone who is, like, very anti-immigration is going to continue to be Trump pro-Trump and be like, oh, well, Biden is still the responsible for the crisis. And the Dems don't get anything, I guess. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah, like no, why they could they funding. not see that That's going. what they want. Right. They want they want funding for Ukraine and Israel. So that's the part that they want. <laughs> Y'all say um Alex Jones says bipartisan well I'll do it in his voice, bipartisan border bill gives Biden dictatorial powers. Two point three billion to NGO human traffickers, and millions of aliens, legal status. That's what he's right. saying. Um Ted Cruz, I'm trying to look at him right now. He's yeah, he's saying it's a it's a big no. He says what this bill does not do is stop the invasion of illegal immigrants. Instead it gives them work permits and lawyers. It codifies the Biden open borders. Um so and it's just it, pretend guess, world, basically. Yeah, exactly. Just totally totally just in the opposite of reality. I will say it does seem to be causing a bit of a split in the conservative movement as well with like the neocons and the more extreme reactionaries. I think Mitch McConnell was urging people to vote for it. So I guess he's now, he's one of the globalists or one of the, the moderates basically now, Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, welcome to the, the good welcome side to the of the resistance. aisle. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's, it does seem to be causing a bit of a split in that movement. But yeah, I think overall, this is just this approach. I mean, this is like the Democratic Party approach or the, the liberal approach really to like any kind of big issue is to just concede everything to your opponent, get nothing in return, and then lose because of that and then watch these people come in and enact all the policies that you yourself have championed just yeah turn your back on one part of the dem coalition for no fucking reason yeah pretty much yeah and to say nothing of just we oh we by the way we found another another 50 billion or so to give more weapons to israel while they're dropping bombs on little kids heads um you know that's the amazing thing for me as well it's like we they the u.s and like other Western countries already give Israel so much in aid every year. And now they're like demanding more. When I've complained about this, you see people that's, that support Biden on this. The people that have live in this fantasy land where Biden's been working tirelessly behind the scenes on trying to get a ceasefire, uh, uh, trying to get a, a ceasefire going, trying to um, advocate for a Palestinian state, all this stuff. And people have said, like, it's not, you know, it's not Israel could do the prosecute this war with or without the American funding. Biden has just no power to stop this. He has no, he couldn't, he just, there's nothing he can do to stop it. So it's like, but if that's the case, like, why are, why do you need no more now emergency mm-hmm. funding? You're saying another like 19 billion. I can't, I can't find the actual figure right in front of me, but it's just an obscene amount of money to this country well, that's currently engaged in what the ICJ has uh, ruled can plausibly be described as a genocidal uh, activity it's another situation where like because i my understanding is all of those funds can only be spent by israel in like the arms industry so it's like really profitable for the military industrial complex yeah but, it's like, basically just to hand out to the weapons manufacturers yeah yeah um but like that's the left-wing position in american electoral politics is like yeah. we want the military industrial complex to make even more money like like yeah uh, that's cool that gets me fired up <laughs> yeah what that's the what what seventy what or sorry seventy what nineteen year old kid isn't ready to vote after hearing that like, yeah. this is this their master strategy yeah don't worry though don't worry Biden did say reportedly according to sources that not Netanyahu was a quote bad fucking guy yeah so like okay he he's with us yeah secretly he's secretly with us while he's giving them everything Look, that I, they want which is even worse i hate him too yeah, yeah i hate him too i'm yeah. with you i get it he sucks yeah. he's terrible 
But we just have to give him everything that he wants. We have no other choice. Yeah, because yeah. it makes, like, that leaking makes Biden look powerless. As if he, like, well, like, you know, listen, I agree, but, like, we got to keep funding this genocide. What do you want me to tell you? Israel's got me by the balls. Which is, like, not the relationship. America wants the to stall the peace process so that, like, Israel can remain, like, a garrison state that buys American weapons. So, like, you know, America does have a choice here. It does have an effect. It's just that, like, the profitable position <laughs> that both parties take is we have to, you know, let's just keep funding uh, this genocide. Um, but, it, yeah, it completely, like, just from a objective point and an electoral point, it's just, like, the worst decision for him to be. He just, there, there's no, what am I trying to say? Biden is just saying, just fucking flailing. Yeah. Like, there's really just no... Um, logic to the thing to the the how he's handling this and like the messaging behind it as well yeah and he's, yeah to, to for the specifics it's 14 billion to enter to israel in this bill and 10 billion in humanitarian aid so you get 14 billion for bombs and then another 10 billion for some humanitarian aid to help out all the people might that not even bombing. make its way in yeah that might not even make its way in because you got fucking settlers blocking the trucks and defunding UNRWA, which is the primary source yeah. of getting humanitarian aid yeah. into Gaza at the same time. No, that's great. That's really it's nothing. great. These leaks are so funny like the, the, that they specifically chose bad the quote to give to press. It, it's like reminiscent of the, like tw- if you remember in like 2019, 2020, there was this like wave of Democrats who were trying to act like they were taking an issue very seriously by tweeting the word fuck like chris murphy i think yeah. did it tim ryan did it it's like okay i'll say it i'm fucking pissed like i'm tired <laughs> we'll of, the, I'm tired of gun, gun violence in this country yeah. and it's like whoa dude like it's the same it's the same thing with this like biden biden saying he's a bad fucking guy like instead of just like which is unstately of him, it shows that he's taking the issue very seriously, and that's what they're—that's the image they're trying to create with this leak. It's just right. so pathetic because mm-hmm. they're not. There's nothing material behind it. It's just that yeah. look how serious he is. He said the word "fuck," and so you know they're—they're they're not backing down on funding this genocide. They have a total rebellion of a lot of communities, including young people who are very heavily pro-Palestine, including these like Arab and Muslim communities in places like Michigan. And then you have news stories coming out being like Dearborn. It's like the the jihad capital of America and stuff like that. Like that's how they're they're talked about. Then the people who are making a like a a ideological and principled stance to say like No, I'm not going to support you if you're funding genocide, you know, just if you stop doing that, we'll consider it. But if you're going to do that, then no, we're not going to support you. And then that's how like the sort of democratic liberal establishment consultant class, media class, that's how they refer to those people. It's like, it's really just that you see how the the contempt they have for these like communities and constituencies as soon as they get out of line. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just really disgusting. It's also a giveaway that like, especially like the, party officials and and like immediately don't really see like don't really uh, like care for representative democracy like the idea of an, a party electorate being like fuck you if you don't yeah. do the thing i want i'm not going to vote for you it's like how dare they that's not i how can't believe works. that they yeah. would yeah that's not how we you're supposed you. to do that we yeah. tell you what the, the the 
program is. We're yeah. the good guys. If you don't vote for us, you're like a bad guy. I don't understand. Yeah. You know, we, we've talked about the ways uh, over the, the course of this show, over the four years we've been doing this show, the ways that jingoism manifests in our foreign policy, just seeing people as subhuman. And I think between this Wall Street Journal piece you're talking about, the jihad capital of the world, and especially Thomas Friedman's column in the New York Times over the past couple days, <laughs> understanding the Middle Christ. East through the animal oh, kingdom, where he Jesus literally he literally compares people in the Middle East to animals, specifically parasites and insects. Like that is, like he's just they're not even doing like metaphors and allusions. It's just like expressing this sentiment through their behavior. He's they're just like explicitly multiple saying it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's insane. It is insane to me that we are reaching this point where that's just totally acceptable with no institutional backlash. Sure, there are people who are peace advocates and people who know this guy is a crank who are calling it out, but you could just publish that and there's no institutional backlash at the times, at that publication, where unfortunately, a column, column space that he has influences a, it's like potentially hundreds of thousands or millions of people. Including elected officials that, that mm-hmm. seek the... The approval yeah. of these like New York Times opinion columnists. Obama famously was like obsessed with that kind of thing as well. Yeah. And just allowing them to print like Der Sturmer level racism. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like this passage is, is nuts. Iran is to geopolitics what a recently discovered species of parasitoid wasp is to nature. What does the parasitoid wasp do? parasitoid wop it's like a parasitic italian guy according to science daily according to science daily sorry and he hyperlinks just a website of, uh, the wasp injects its eggs into live caterpillars and the baby wasp larvae slowly eat the caterpillar from the inside out bursting once they have once they have eaten their fill is there a better description of lebanon yemen syria and iraq today yes, they are there the caterpillars is. there's a much better description <laughs> i can think yeah. of five at the top of my head yeah that's that is just insane that that was published at all well, that they let that be horrifying. published Hamas well, is like the trapdoor spider. Oh. Hamas is like the trapdoor spider. The way trapdoor spiders operate, according to a nature site, is that the spider leaps out at great. So he's just googling like bad animals. <laughs> what is bad scary? Bugs. What is scary bug that builds tunnel? He <laughs> <laughs> gets like the ants movie shows up. <laughs> <laughs> According to a nature site, is that the spider leaps out at great speed, seizes its prey, and hauls it back into the burrow to be devoured, all in a fraction of a second. Trapdoor spiders are adept at camouflaging the doors of their underground nests, so they are hard to see until they're opened. This is... This is just like a, a, the mind of a child trying to like fit the shapes into a puzzle. It's like, oh, those two things are similar. America's enemies are much like the xenomorphs in James Cameron's film Aliens. <laughs> Iran is the queen alien that gives birth to eggs that that spawn face huggers that go into Lebanon and Syria and Iraq and impregnate the people there with uh, chest-bursting alien creatures that emerge as Hezbollah and <laughs> and these militia groups and, and, and the Houthis, I think. It's like someone called the Pulitzer 
people. We got another one on our hands here. This we got to give this man another award. This is brilliant. Oh my god. So I unfortunately read all or listen to all of his books just because I want to know like what what he's up to. And so he ends this piece. Sometimes I contemplate the Middle East by watching CNN. Other times I prefer Animal Planet. I don't know if any of you or anyone listening or you two have actually read one of his books. I have but <laughs> lately, no. like his the most recent one, I don't know if he's published uh since then. Thank you for being late. It's about disruptions and the advancement of technology and all this kind of stuff. It is just like so he's, I, I, I'm getting inspiration for this piece from Animal Planet. It is just a taxi driver I had said something interesting about how he wants to build a website. And that got me thinking, anybody can create a career by building a website and starting an e-commerce pl- and like do dropship. Like there was there was a book uh, in 2010, I think, uh, that used to be us. It was an argument. Uh, and he wrote this with a Johns Hopkins professor uh, about how the lack of innovation in America is leading to the decline of America, which I think generally speaking there, there is some truth to that, but the examples that he gave is like, Oh, the ways that we can innovate and we can build our society are through, you know, different, uh, gig economy jobs. People can do this and people can do that. And people can have products manufactured here and have them shipped out. And like, he was talking about drop shipping in 2010 as if it was going to like change, like completely overhaul the economy. And, empower individuals to be their own boss and now in 2024 especially but even several years ago that never panned out it's just an oversaturated market of people selling like cheap overseas like bullshit also the taxi driver example is he just like a sponge like someone just says something near him and he's like wow that's that's an interesting thing that this lady said to me on the yes. street. Like I feel like if I like Clockwork Orange style, like like made him watch like Parenti lectures for a couple hours, I feel like I could turn him into like a Lennon. You can. You can change him. I could do it. But yeah, I think the sponge that he has like a childlike wonder. Yeah. And unfortunately someone with that kind of a brain is put in this position to influence potentially millions of readers. Just like, wow, that's neat. Let me write that down. Like he should then- be he should have like a YouTube video where he like reacts to Mr. Beast or something. Like that that would be would <laughs> <laughs> be so much better. Like I'd love to see him in the thumbnails like soy facing over the over the videos. Yeah. That'd be great. I will say while we're talking about these like um, you know, awful people at the New York Times or opinion columnists or whoever, that was another story about Biden that I saw yesterday about how apparently biden is obsessed with morning joe oh god and is like always like calling him up for advice and stuff and like that's that's a beautiful example of american democracy too you can vote for between two like thousand year old men who are significantly cognitively impaired who've had their brains melted by uh mainstream media and cable news and are just obsessed and fixated with one winning the approval of these like dipshit talking heads on TV. This is who you get to choose from who both ultimately have very similar uh, policy goals, especially as we're seeing with immigration and with a number of other, uh, uh, a number of other elements, like whether it's Palestine or whatever else or student debt or whatever. It's like, see, there's very little daylight between like what, what these guys are achieving policy wise and it turns out they're a lot more similar than maybe they was made out to be at the beginning of this whole thing it 
I, it's so funny that this is we're just on the same path that Trump was. Like Trump would call up Hannity for advice, yeah. and he would like he what he saw on TV would influence what he did. I don't know if we're at that point, but according to this report that Biden is quote obsessed with Morning Joe, he calls up Joe Scarborough, <laughs> someone who hasn't been in politics for like twenty years and who just hosts a TV show with his wife, talking about like Republican bullshit, asking him for advice. Like I, I'm kind of a truther on this. Like I, I it's. It's plausible, mm. but I also wouldn't be surprised if it's like someone, either, it's two, one of two things. Someone was just trying to flatter Joe Scarborough. Like maybe they're close, maybe, they, maybe they're friends, and it, maybe it's not at the point where he's actually advising Biden. It could just be them trying to flatter the, the network, the host, whatever. Or it's an inside job. It came from MSNBC, it got leaked mm. out, circulated somehow, got published. Because they want to sell that advertising space. Because if if people mm. know that, that's what that's what happened with Fox. Right. The shows that Trump liked got filled with ads specifically on issues and topics that oh, yeah, lobbyists yeah. or corporate interests wanted to influence him on. And they see a prime opportunity. Oh, we could sell this advertising space during the show, knowing that Biden they they think Biden is watching. What if what if Biden just wants a friend? It's a third option. <laughs> <laughs> just someone to talk to. It's tough out there right He's the now only for, one who for Joe Brandon. <laughs> he just started calling him one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, I don't yeah, know. I think I think in the in the idea that it's like probably the stupidest possible explanation and the funniest explanation is probably the real one. I'm going to choose yeah. to believe that that's true. The the morning Joe obsession just because mm-hmm. of how ridiculous it is. I think Joe That'd Brandon calls up Joe Scarborough and asks for how he's doing and asks for advice on stuff. And yeah, I believe that that's true. Well, Liv, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate your insight yeah. and analysis, as always. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for speaking up for Gooner's rights. Yes. Uh, where can people <laughs> follow you, find more of your stuff? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Liv underscore Agar. Uh, LivAgar.com is my like newsletter. I talk about politics, like philosophy. Um, you can also listen to podcast QAA, doing a mini series on the premium with uh, Julian called Perverts. Uh, which just goes over weird perverted. Rob has an episode, options. I think, right? I got a I got a research document I need to fill out. Right? Yeah, we're we're filling out the the doc. We're, we're nice. Cool. Yeah, it should be a good one. Yeah, lots of stuff. I'm just happy to be involved. You know? <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks.